there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James, and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I would like to talk this morning about um, a couple of things. You know, it's kind of funny to me when, when I when I when I observe living in this world as I do, which is differently than you do. You know, I don't do the things that you do in the world. I approach it differently, and it gives you a different perspective, obviously, about things. All the latest rage is organic food, being green. Organic clothes, you know, where your clothes, where your cotton or flax grown organically that they make your pants or your shirts or whatever out of. Um, organic is plastered on almost everything anywhere, no matter where you go. It was five years ago or ten years ago, it was difficult to find anything. Now you can go almost anywhere. Even the, you know, the big chain supermarkets have organic sections. And it's kind of funny. Um, it, because what it is is the same thing it always is in this world. It's a marketing ploy. There's nothing whatever to do with anything. You know, the, the truth is that snake oil, I'll get this out, snake oil salesmen will be with us as long as we're ignorant and suggestible, believing that we can get something for nothing. Now, you remember the snake oil is a substance with no real medicinal value sold as a remedy for all diseases. You've seen it in movies and things where they have this guy who's, oh, doctor, so-and-so's elixir and it'll cure anything you know and blah, 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 blah. so it's kind of like that and what it really plays on is our suggestibility our gullibility our desire to have something for nothing and that's really ignorance we think that in this universe and unfortunately we think this we think that we can get something for nothing we think that we can get something for free the proof of that is everyone is doing it the proof of that is you put these podcasts up and it says free next to them and they'll be 10,000 downloads in a 30-day period. You put 0.99 cents next to it, and there'll be three downloads because people think that they can get something for free, but they're not willing to pay for something because they don't value it. And they don't value it because they don't understand it, because they're ignorant. And this whole thing of getting something for free overrides it. The thing about the organic thing, just as a kind of a, a litmus test is, organic literally means of, relating to, or derived from living matter. Well, when you think about it, there's a lot of living matter that you won't put in your mouth, and rightfully so. As a matter of fact, everything is living matter in some way. Everything has got something living on it or in it. This work does not work from the physical side but rather from the psychological side. Now, psychological, according to definitions that we use today, is the scientific, psychology is a scientific study of the human mind and its functions, especially those affecting behavior in a given context. Fine, I can live with that. The big problem with this work is getting it from theory to practice, from the intellectual center to the emotional center. And there's a missing link. There's something that doesn't connect the intellectual center and the emotional center. 
And we have to find that missing link and we have to make that connection so that it's a conduit, so that the work ideas can make it from the intellectual center into the emotional center. Because it's the emotional center that really has the power. The intellectual center doesn't really have any power. It's kind of like, you know, those things where they, uh, you ever see those things where they're working on substances, contaminated substances or radiation, you know, whatever. And so somebody will, there'll be this big room, little room and big glass or whatever. And, and somebody's wearing this shield and they stick their hands into this thing and their mechanical hands on the other side and they can manipulate what's ever in there that's contaminated, that's horrible. Well, in a sense, that's what the intellectual center is like. It really can't touch the work directly. It uses these kind of like mechanical hands to get it. But it could pick it up. It could pick up this isotope, you know, this powerful isotope, and it could put it in this container and close that container and bring it out of the room. See, that's what they do. And the idea is it can be put in the emotional center, and it, that power can be harnessed. That power can be used. But as long as it's in the, in the intellectual center, you're manipulating it artificially, really. You're not really getting it, not getting to the heart of it. And it's not getting to the heart of you where it needs to be. So this is the missing link. And the missing link here is effort. Effort, right effort is the missing link. As we are, we fail to realize the universe is an organism. We don't know that the universe is an organism. Now, an organism is either an individual animal or a plant, a single-celled life form, or the material structure of such an individual. But... Finally, for our, for our purposes, and we, when we think about the universe, it's good to think about the universe as a whole with interdependent parts likened to a living being. We can see the universe like that. We can begin to see the universe like that. Then we're starting to understand. The importance of this can't be stressed enough. It's why it's necessary to understand the ray of creation and our position in it. In scale, we may be able to see our nothingness. Or we may be able to say that we're not as great as we imagine that we are. Even that is a step in the right direction. Even saying that you're not the greatest thing in the universe, that in and of itself could help. The idea of all science, the idea of all philosophy is truth. When a scientist is looking for something, he's trying to discover something, what is he trying to discover? He's trying to discover the truth. Even if it's in a material sense, he's trying to discover the truth. Truth is the reduction of the plurality of phenomena to an essential unity. What it is, is just reducing all of these many, many, many things down to one essential unity. It's moving away from the circumference of the wheel toward the hub, toward the center of the wheel, where all things are unified where all things come from, where all things are together, where they all rooted together. Without this unity, nothing would be knowable. And we don't think like this. So we don't think, oh, well, without unity, nothing would be knowable. We look at the world and we think that we're thinking. We think that we understand because we can go from one thing to another, to another, to another, and we can understand each one separately. But that's not true understanding. The understanding that the work talks about is different from that. It's not that at all. How could we go from known to unknown if the unknown had nothing to do with the known? So the unknown, even though it's unknown to us, still has something to do with the known. 
It has to, or else we could never know it. We could never bridge the gap. We could never make it from the intellectual center to the emotional center. We could never make it from point A to point B. Unless they were beyond our consciousness, beyond our awareness, somehow unified, somehow essentially in the same system, an organic whole. This is what we need to understand. This is, needs to be your ground of being. This needs to be your foundation. This needs to be where you think from. See, we don't think from because we don't think. We associate. And there's a difference between associative thinking and real thinking. Real thinking is directed. And you have a basis from which you think. And that basis needs to be the essential unity of all things. The world isn't a patchwork quilt, no matter how much it looks like it is, where a number of worlds, essentially strangers to each other, are fitted together. <laughs> but, but, but that's what you think. That's what we think. You look at the animal kingdom and you see yourself as separate. You look at cats and you see yourself as different. You look at dogs and you see yourself as different. And you see cats and dogs as different. You see insects as different. Did you know, just for a little bit of trivia, that the combined weight of termites on this earth is more than the combined weight of human beings? Yeah. Actually, that's true of insects in general, but termites specifically. Pretty exciting, huh? Okay, well, we'll move right along here. <laughs> it's a little nerd fact for the, for the morning. This whole world is an organism whose parts are governed by the same principle. This whole universe is an organism whose parts are governed by the same principle. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that it's governed by the same laws. You know that the law of gravity here on Earth is different than the law of gravity on the moon. You know that people can jump higher and run faster and do all kinds of things, throw things further on the moon that they, than they can here because the gravity, the gravitational pull, the, actually the gravity of the moon is less than the gravity of the earth. So people who were born here and developed their strength in their physical bodies here can go to the moon and they're really strong there. They could lift things that they could not lift before. because It's not because they're stronger, but because everything there is lighter because it has less gravity. So the principle is the same. The principle is the same. The law is different. So you need to get behind law to principle, or else you're not going to be, be able to see that it's all governed by the same principle, because you're going to see the discrepancy in the law, and you're going to say, oh, no, it's not that way. So you need to get behind law to principle, because principle is what makes law. Principle is, is what makes law possible. Law is simply the executive power of principle. It's the outworking of principle. If we can see this, that it's an organism whose parts are governed by the same principle, we have a, a, a leg up, as it were. The work is a method of knowledge that recognizes the relationship of all things and beings. When you begin to really do this work, you will begin to recognize the relationship of all things and all beings. When that happens, you will begin to transform. It will not be possible for you to hate and kill as you do now with impunity. It will not be possible for you to be as negative as you are now. It will not be possible. And the reason it will not be possible 
is because you will begin to understand the essential unity of all things and beings. Then, it's like a terrible thing happened to me this morning. I get up, and it was still dark. It was like 5 o'clock this morning. It was still dark. And I just finished meditating. And I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth. And I turn a, a light on that's not right directly in front of me because it's so dark out. And I just kind of like to slowly bring myself into this world. So I turn a different light on, so it's just the light is kind of dim in the bathroom. And there was something on the wall, and it, just this black thing on the wall, tiny little black thing on the wall, I mean, really tiny. It was like some kind of a speck or something. And it wasn't moving or anything, and I'm looking at it. Of course, I didn't have glasses on. I'm looking at it in the dim light, no glasses. And uh, I reach up to brush it away, and it goes squish. It was a fruit fly. Now, what a fruit fly is doing in the bathroom, I don't know, but I didn't realize it until it went squish, and I went, oh, sorry. And I looked in the sink, and there were two more fruit flies, little tiny things, in the sink. Just, I don't know whether they were sleeping there or what they did, but I killed one of them. And, um, and I apologized. You see, now to a lot of people, this is just wacko. And you know what? I really don't care, because I look at you, and I think you are the most insane beings on this earth. You are murderers. You kill with impunity. You don't care about anything except yourselves. And that is scary. Now, that is scary. Now, if I wasn't a wacko to you, if that didn't seem weird to you, I would be worried. I would be worried that you were not understanding what I was saying. But the fact is, is that I see all things and all beings as essentially the same, the unity. So that fruit fly has as much right to live out its life as I have to live out mine. And no more and no less. But that's not how people on this earth think and behave. And it's not because we're sleeping, sick, twisted machines who spend our lives in some other reality that isn't real at all. It's more insanity. So I'll probably take a lot of flack for this fruit fly story. <clears throat> and I really care, as you can tell. I've had better emails than the ones I'm going to get over this one. You know, about, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, come on, man. I'm a tool of negative astral forces busy destroying mankind. You think I care about what you have to say about this? You know, this is not important to me. So send emails if you want. But just understand that. I'm not going to pay any attention to them. We've got to first know ourselves before we can know the unity at the root of plurality. We look at this organic film coating this planet, and we say, yes, we're part of the organic film coating this planet. But you go about destroying other parts of the organic film coating this planet as if you weren't hacking at your own body. But you are. But you don't know that. See, people are self-destructive all day long without ever knowing it. Why? Because they don't know that what they're destroying is themselves. Now, let's just forget about the organic film on this planet. Let's just talk about you as an organic whole. Let's just talk about you and your negative emotions. What do your negative emotions do to you? Well, you get sick. You grow tumors. It churns 
and grinds up your internal organs. It works on your heart. It works on your nervous system. The stress is eating you alive on a daily basis. You are killing yourself by not relaxing. When your muscles are contracted, your blood circulation is down. You're not feeding your body the nourishment that it needs. It's lacking oxygen. It's lacking nutrients. And so it starts to atrophy and die. Now, this is the truth. This is, these are scientific facts proved all the time. This is observable facts. Now, you know yourself, when you get tense, your neck, your shoulders, you get tense, stressed out, you get a headache, or you get a neck ache, or you get a backache, or you, for example, you have your stomach as a monitor. So because you have a weak stomach, you know that when your stomach starts to go in knots, it's time to let go of something. Mm -hmm. And there are other people, their vision goes. There are other people who all they want to do is eat. They just somehow, they just become eating machines. They just want to eat, 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 eat. Other people can't eat. They want to stop eating. So we all react in different ways to stress. And when you know these things about yourself, you can actually do something about it. But when you don't know these things about yourself, you're destroying yourself. You're going through destructive behaviors that destroy you. So you're doing that with your own self. I promise you, you don't care about the fruit fly. I promise you, you don't care about the dog or the cat or the bird or the leaf or this or that. I promise you, you don't care about those things because you don't have the awareness to care about them. You don't have the level of being to care about them because you don't understand them as part of yourself and you don't understand yourself as part of them. In other words, you do not understand the essential unity of all things and all beings. And this work aims at that and this work is a system of knowledge based on that and that's what it leads to. So what does that mean? You're going to be a freak who worries about fruit flies? Do I look worried? Because I'm not. You know, it's like, gee, I'm sorry, but I guess your fruit fly existence is over. You know, and then I thought, well, how does a fruit fly evolve anyway? You know, how do you, how does a fruit fly evolve? Does it just like pay its dues, live its life, and then die? You know, is that how a fruit fly evolves? Anyway, that was that thought. I'll leave that for now. <laughs> One thing depends on another. One thing leads to another. One thing is connected to another. If people finally begin to apply these ideas practically, they find that they cannot do. This is what people find. They find essentially they cannot do. Now, some people never find that. Some people keep on saying, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. Well, all that means is they still think they can do. They still think if they do something else, than they can do. That they wish hard enough, then they'll be able to do. That they think that wishing is doing. It's not. Wishing is not doing. Not that kind of wishing. Wishing, the way Gurdjieff was talking about it, was a very strong valuation coming from your being. Not some hopeful wishing coming from your false personality, wishing that these bad feelings would go away, these awful sensations would stop bugging you. And you could be happy again like you were before this terrible thing happened to you. That's not the same. So don't make it the same. People don't pass go. They don't collect the $200 that you do in Monopoly when you get around the board. It doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because they're not really grasping and applying these ideas. They observe something in themselves and imagine they're going to change it. <laughs> Have you? 
Mm-hmm. Have you seen something in yourself and then so imagined you were going to change it? Mm-hmm. It's still there, isn't it? Yes. And there are things that you've been working on for years, and it's still there. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people do is they just throw their hands up and give up and go away. Well, this doesn't work. No, it does work. It's just that your requirements and expectations are unrealistic because you do not understand yourself, you do not understand this work, and you do not understand this universe that is an organic whole. If they persist, they find they may have to change something else as well. So they they see something, they imagine they're going to change it, and then they keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. Then they find that that thing can't be changed until this thing over here is changed. And that this thing over here can't be changed until that thing over there is changed. And so this is where the intelligence comes in. This is where the work comes in. It can help direct you to what needs to be changed first. What you need to do first. There is an order in this universe. There is an order in this work. And it can be known. And once it's known, it can be mastered. Is it possible to change something in a way that makes us even a little different from what we were? For a long time, it seems like it's it's not possible. For a long time, it seems for a long time it seems like all we do is make effort, make effort, make effort, and nothing changes. Why is that? It is possible to change certain eyes belonging to false personality without harming ourselves. See, a lot of people use this work; they change things and they become worse. They harm themselves. They become more pretentious. They become bigger phonies. They become bigger liars. Well, let's just reference your own work experience. Have you ever done that? Have you ever changed things and become a bigger phony and a bigger liar than you were? Yeah. Been more pretentious? Absolutely. You take the work ideas, you take the work lingo, the work language, and you apply it to yourself and you go spouting it. That's one of the first steps. People make themselves worse with this. We forget it quickly. Why is that? The reason is because self-love has a perfect forgettery. It can remember everything that was ever done to it by anyone else, but it can forget anything that would show you what it is. And it does it brilliantly. So yes, it is possible to change certain eyes belonging to first per- false personality without harming ourselves, without throwing ourselves even more out of balance than we already are. I watch people try to change physical habits, diet, conditions, without any result. I've watched some people for years try to diet. In fact, I've watched you for years try to diet. Years, 20 years. I've watched all of you play around with diet. And gung-ho, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then just give it up. I've seen you do this diet and that diet and then this diet over here. And look at you. You just are gaining girth. And, of course, your excuse for it is, well, I'm getting older. And that's what happens when you get older. Really? How come it didn't happen to me? Well, you're a freak. Yes, of course. It's your genetics. You know, it's your DNA. Well, it's your, you're just not that kind of a person. But this is what, you know, you have all these excuses and lies for the fact that you can't do. For the fact that you can't do. Because you don't have valuation. Because your valuation is used up on something else. So I've watched people try to change physical habits, diet, conditions, without any result. The work says you can transform incoming impressions. This is called the first conscious shock to the machine. You are a machine. You have to start there. 
You're not a person. You're not human yet. You're not a man yet. You're not a woman yet. You're a machine. This is very difficult for the self-love to accept. Very difficult. It, you can feel it. You can feel, in, when I say, you're not a man, you're not a woman, you're a machine. You can feel something inside of you gritting its teeth. <laughs> you can feel something inside of you starting to stand up, starting to clench its fists, starting to resist in some way. But that's not so. Why do you have to say it that way? You don't know anything. You don't know that. You don't know me. You're not the boss of me. Shut up. Or whatever. I don't know what goes on in your 50-gallon drum with ricocheting bullet in it. <laughs> whatever it is, it's pingy, I can tell you that. Ping, ping, ping. You can take impressions differently. You may not be able to stop stuffing cigarettes in your face and lighting them, and smoking them until you wheeze, until you have heart disease, or until you have lung disease, or until you have emphysema. You may not be able to do that, but you can take impressions differently. You may not be able to stop stuffing food in your face every time you get a chance, mindlessly, but you can take impressions indifferently. This is where the work starts. You can take impressions differently. If you begin here, taking impressions more consciously rather than mechanically, you won't harm yourself further. You won't unbalance the machine even more. See, you try to do things now physically that you are incapable of doing. And what happens is you get discouraged and you quit. You try to lose weight and you don't. And what happens? You fail again. How many times have you failed in your life with that? There's no, you, it's, it's countless. You, you don't even remember. That's how many times you feel. Why is that? You don't know why. You don't know why. Something is wrong somewhere, but you don't know what it is. You just say, well, I eat too much. Well, I'm always hungry, or well this or well that. Or some people just give in to it and say, well, I want to. That's the final frontier, you know. You just go with it. Well, fine. That's fine. I'll just, they'll bury me in a piano crate. I don't care. Grand piano. Crate. Whatever. If you want something out there to change, you must work first internally, where you're shoveling the tide back with a fork. You want something out there to change, you've got to find something that you can do internally. You've got to find a way to begin to take impressions differently. People run into trouble being identified with themselves and trying to change what they think needs to be changed. What do you think needs to be changed when you're identified with yourself? Well, I can tell you it's going to be all of the things that don't really matter because it'll have to do with what other people think of you, how they see you. Yes, it'll be with all these outer things. It will not be with anything interior that's really important. If you're identified with yourself, you are going to try to look good on the outside. You're not going to change the things that need to be changed, the things that the work instructs you to change. An aim in the work has to be formulated intelligently and directed towards something which has been observed and from which you have begun to separate. See, we make aims willy-nilly. We just, oh, well, I just, I want, <clears throat> what's your aim? Well, I want to wake up. I would like to wake up. Okay, that's a great aim. How are you going to do that? Uh, just keep doing the work. 
You see, there's no aim there. Can you see there's no aim there? When we meet someone we can't stand, it's usually because we're the same, but haven't become conscious of it yet. Ah, Pat, it was you, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You just realized this week, yeah. some woman at work that just annoys you. Is that right? Extremely. Extremely, yes. <laughs> they feel like there's the worst person on earth award she gets. And Pat finally confessed to us last night. What was it? Well, I finally saw that what I see over there is really... Yeah, but it was more than that when you said it last night. It was real. Now it's just intellectual stuff. But what you said, when you said it last night, there was emotional. There was something emotional there because it was powerful. You said that whatever she is is me. That's that's me. That's how I am. And it was real. It wasn't just like oh, whatever I see there is in here. That pat answer thing. Not 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 a pat answer. Get a bit. <coughs> not a pat like a Patricia answer, but a patent answer. It was, it was, it was real. There was some emotional connection with it. It had somehow made an emotional connection with you. It wasn't just this intellectual thing of saying, "Oh yes, <clears throat> when I see something in someone else that annoys me, it's really in me." It wasn't that. It was something more real. It was something like disarming, because last night you were disarmed about it. I had just seen her. You had just yeah, seen her. Yeah, so it was fresh. It was right there, and yeah. it was really emotionally upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> so when we meet someone we can't stand, it's usually because we're the same as they are, but haven't become conscious of it yet. We have an imaginary feeling of ourselves that will change after some years of more conscious effort directed intelligently. Your feeling of yourself is going to change. Don't get too used to it. It's going to change, and it's going to change more and more and more. It will keep on changing, and you will go through some incredible stages. Unless you can begin to break up this imaginary I, you're going to remain unconscious or semi-conscious to yourself, and then this multiplicity of eyes that make up imaginary I will just run rampant. You won't see them. You've got to begin to break up this huge thing, this plaster of Paris thing, statue, that is just a big, huge facade. It's not real at all. And it's got to be busted up. And you don't want to bust it up because it hurts. I don't like it. That hurts my self-love when you hit that plaster of Paris thing with a hammer. That feels like me. Well, get your feeling of I out of it. Get your feeling of I out of it. How do I do that? Well, first of all, you recognize that's not you. That's the basic principle. You recognize it's not you. That's the principle. Now you need some kind of law to work that principle out, to put that principle in action. Until this begins, you cannot trust yourself at all. See, now you trust yourself above all else. It takes, I don't know what it would take to get you to trust something else. You trust yourself. You come here and you'll give me a little trust. But ultimately, if I ask something of you that you don't want to give, You don't trust me. You won't give it. You're blind, and you must have a guide to make any real progress. Pride and vanity are your guides now. What do pride and vanity do? Well, the first thing they do is put out your eyes. So you're blind. And then they lead you. They lead you. They take you by the hand, and they lead you. And they go ahead of you, and they arrange everything so that what you see is exactly what they want you to see. There's nothing whatever to do with reality. It's just what they want you to see. So you're blind. You need a guide. 
Pride and vanity and self-love will stand between you and any help that you might be able to get. You can count on that. They will stand as a phalanx in front of you so that help cannot reach you. When attempting to observe eyes in yourself, pay close attention to where you criticize others passionately. The thing that with Pat, (laughs) this person who she's extremely annoyed with, is the passion with which she criticized this woman. It was really passionate. Like this woman is "Ah, the worst, you know, the worst. And when you finally see that that is what you've been hiding from yourself, it can be disarming. That's the only word for it. It's just disarming. Those people are sense pictures. That's what they are. They're sense pictures of eyes in ourselves of which we have yet to become aware. That woman is nothing but a sense picture. She's just presenting these vibrations to the five senses. And these vibrations come in through the five senses and then they tap and tickle all of the things inside of us that we're not aware of. And they make them dance. And we become little marionettes reacting to these sense pictures that are these people that we call people. And they're not people at all. They're just sense pictures. They're just vibrations that are coming in to us, impressions that are coming into us and tapping these little strings, just in the same way the piano has a hammer that taps the strings and vibrates. And those vibrations set up other vibrations. So you hit these three or four notes and that makes a chord. And that chord then makes the other, that makes other vibration, other strings in that piano. Other of the 88 strings, or there are actually more because there's some that are doubles, but it makes others resonate sympathetically. This goes on in us all the time. These vibrations are going on in us all the time. And this is why the work says you're a machine because you are activated by life. You are activated by things that happen in life. You are activated by these sense pictures, by these impressions that come in. A person is an impression. They're, they're a group of impressions that come through the five senses. That's what they are. And then they tickle your strings and you start to play this song. And it's usually some hate song, some war song, some, you know, patriotic song, some beer drinking song, some let's kill them all song, let's crack skulls, let's make them wrong song. You know, somebody made somebody, blah, 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 blah. We got all these songs that we sing. And we've got this one famous song that we sing to ourselves all the time. It's a song of self. So, and that's what's happening. And that's why the work says you're a machine. Not because you're a toaster, not because you're a cassette player, not because you're a DVD DVD player. You're not that smart. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but you're not that smart. Your computer's smarter than you and it's faster than you. You know, why? Well, because you're wired all wrong. You have the greatest computer that ever existed on this planet. But yours is slower than the one you buy for... A buck three ninety five that calculates this and that, you know, or they give away these little calculators that they give away are just computers and they work faster than you can work. Why? Because you're not properly connected because they're focused and you're not properly focused. That's why, because your force is squirting out everywhere, but their force is remains in a battery and it knows exactly how to be used. It has circuits and they're all wired perfectly and they go exactly the way they're supposed to go at the speed of light. 
And yours go around the world 18 million times before they ever get to what they're supposed to get to. And then when they get to it, it's the wrong thing anyway because you're miswired. That's what this work is saying. (laughs) So our job is to become more conscious of these dark parts of ourselves that these sense pictures are tickling. But what we do instead is we point it all out there and we say the sense pictures are wrong. No, you are taking in impressions unconsciously, mechanically. That's what's wrong. That's what needs to change. Only by direct experience will we realize we are not one, but many. And the imaginary I that we've taken ourselves to be doesn't even exist. Just like the people out there that we've taken to exist don't. They only exist internally for us, and each one exists differently. Each one of you sees a different James Parkinson. Here's a different James Parkinson. You may all agree when you hear its voice and say, well, that's James Parkinson's voice. But that doesn't mean you hear the same thing. All it means is you've learned to associate that name with that sound that you hear internally. Maybe something entirely different that someone else hears. You can wish to be different from what you are, but do you know what you are? (laughs) If you'll... Well, I, I want to be different. Okay, well, first you have to know what you are. How will you know if you're different if you don't know what you are? So this is why the whole thing starts with man, know thyself. <laughs> if you don't know yourself, you don't have a basis to start with. You can't possibly know how to change anything if you don't know what you have. How would you know that it changed? You couldn't possibly know. All you can do is imagine it. This is a big problem for us. Do you know why small things can spoil your inner state? Do you know why just a little thing can spoil your inner state? Like you'll be happy. And then somebody snaps at you for no reason. What are you looking at, idiot? I'll knock your block off. It's like you're in a different state now. Do you know why? Do you know why a little thing like that would put you in a different state? Why you would give something else outside of you the power to change your state to something negative? No, you don't know why, and that's why you get negative. That's why negative emotions run you, because you do not know why. Just little things spoil your inner state because you are ignorant of what's doing it. After years of working properly in this work, you'll become more aware of those unpleasant eyes you've hidden away for a lifetime. you spent your entire life hiding certain eyes, just not like the email that I read you this morning. It was like, I'm not going to look at that. I can't even bear to look at that. I won't look at the video. I'll tell you what, boy, I'd have that video out right now, and I would. it would be like a clockwork orange. If you had to hold my head in a vice and prop my eyes open and drop tears, tears in, I would make somebody do that so that I would watch it. Why? Because I will not hide. I want to know. I want the truth. And the only way to find the truth is to look at all of this and reduce it down to its essential unity. And you're not going to do that by hiding. You're only going to find the truth by looking into the light. No matter how horrible it may seem to you, it'll get easier. It'll get better. Just do it. Think about some of the unpleasant eyes we've hidden away for a lifetime. The mean eyes the jealous eyes, the envious eyes, the critical eyes that you took for granted. Oh, everybody's like that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, It's not everybody's like that. I'm not the only one. 
That's the way people are on this planet. If you're any other way, they eat you alive. You remember when the speed limit was 55 and people all had excuses? You can't drive 55, they'll run you over. You get killed out there if you drive 55. And then you drive 55 and you just get in a slow lane, you just drive along, you find there are other people who do the same thing. And all the other guys are just speeding by and blowing the horns and flipping you off and doing all the stuff, you know. But nobody killed you. But a lot of those guys got killed. <laughs> a lot of those speeding guys got killed. But nobody killed you. And you finally caught up with them when they were pulled over getting a $500 ticket. You know, you looked at them and you went by and <laughs> you gloated. And you said, well, everybody would gloat. You enjoyed your negative emotions. <laughs> Why, you think I didn't know that? Because you took it all for granted. Well, anybody would gloat. That guy deserved that. That's all negative emotion. <laughs> After seeing and accepting them, you'll have a much better chance of being happy. Can you see that? The more you can see and accept in yourself, the more chance you have of being happy. You'll no longer have the same feeling of I as you had before observing yourself properly over time. The more you observe yourself properly over time, the more your feeling of I will change because the more you will see, the more you will know. And the more you accept about that, the easier it is, the happier you become. Okay, so I'm jealous and I'm envious and I'm greedy. Okay, that's the way it is. I accept that. Now you have a different feeling of I. Now your feeling of I is, well, maybe I'm not as great as I thought I was. Well, maybe I really don't have a right to judge you. Well, maybe you're not such a terrible person after all. Can you see how that changes your feeling of I? That begins to alter everything. You'll come to understand you have in you what you have been shredding in other people all of your life. You criticize people mercilessly. You are a vicious killer in your mind and in your heart. You criticize people for the silliest, least thing that doesn't matter, and you still string them up for it. You still stick them through a meat grinder for it. Why? Because you have no idea who you are. Because if you did, if you knew what you were like, you would see that you're just like the people you're criticizing. Just like Pat saw yesterday. Oh my God, that's me! I don't want to ever be around her again because it reminds me of all the things I hate about myself. That was what you got yesterday. And that was what was powerful. It was humbling. It was actually beautiful. You were actually kind of nice to be around last night for a change. Well, <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. Sometimes you can be very unpleasant. And it's when we're hiding all the eyes that are unpleasant, jealous, envious, all the different ones, mean, critical. When we're hiding all of those eyes and we don't know, we take them all for granted, we don't know that we're like that, then we're so, we, have, we just judge others with impunity. Like, well, I'm the judge. I'm not like that. I know. Yeah, yeah. Is it any wonder relationships don't work with us? I mean, really. Here we are, not understanding what we are and shredding other people for being what we are. And we wonder why relationships don't work out. That's why. That's why relationships are so strained all the time with everybody. First conscious shock, the transformation of impressions, is something we can give ourselves without hurting the machine. This is the main thing. We want to do things that will not unbalance the machine further. We stop taking what happens to us mechanically, unconsciously, habitually. We start to remember that, this, that these impressions must pass through something real before we allow them to come into us. You all have a whole house water filtration system in your house. We all bought them together. 
So we all have one in our house. And the water that comes into the house passes first through that filtration system. And I don't know, maybe you don't think about it now, but I wouldn't think about drinking water that wasn't filtered. I wouldn't think about it. It was like, no way. If it's not filtered, I'm not drinking it. If it's not filtered, I'm not showering in it. If it's not filtered, I'm not brushing my teeth in it. Why? Because that's the way it is for me. Well, don't you think that's a bit extreme? Look, I don't think it's extreme, but if you do, enjoy yourself. If you look at your life and say, well, I couldn't live like that, then don't. Then live like you live. I'm not asking you to change anything. I'm asking you to put a whole house filtration system in yourself so that all of the impressions that come in are filtered through the work. Will it take out everything? No, it won't. But it will at least give you a chance. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what the first conscious shock is. It's a whole house filtration system that filters impressions through the work as they come in. So what happens then? Well, we create some time and space in between us and what happens and how we take what happens. For example, when you first started this work, you could see someone would say something, you'd get negative. You'd respond. And then after you worked and worked and worked, you knew that when somebody said something like that, you knew what was going to happen. And then suddenly there was a little bit of space between them saying that and you going, and then a little while later, maybe it was months, you got to the place where they would say that and you would just say nothing. You just feel something inside, but you would say nothing. And then something else happened, something else happened until finally, one day you realized that somebody said something and you had no reaction at all. You were not the same person. It was like, oh my God, I didn't react. That didn't even bother me. I don't even care. They could say that a hundred times. They could say it with extreme prejudice and I would just giggle inside. It had no effect on me. That is the work working. That is the first conscious shock filtering and filtering and filtering and filtering and filtering until you finally have so much room and so much space that something comes in, you can look at it and it's like coming in in slow motion. It's like dodging bullets in the matrix. You just hold your hand up and all of a sudden they all stop. You just pick one up, look at it and drop it. It drops and then they all drop. You can do that. You can do that. This work will give you the ability to do that. If you will do this. If you will give yourself, give the machine the first conscious shock. Take the impressions in more consciously. Do you have to take them in consciously? No, just more consciously, less habitually, less mechanically. How? Filter them through the work. Remember yourself. Remember yourself. Remember in connection with this work. Don't just remember, here I am and I'm negative. That's not remembering yourself. That's acknowledging you're a machine and you're an idiot. I'm not really as bad as I sound. Idiot is kind of a term of endearment, actually, in this work. You're an idiot. There are 28 kinds of idiot. You may be, you know, 12 or 15 or 20 different kinds. So, lighten up. So as we have this space between us and what happens and how we take what happens, then our consciousness begins to interfere with our mechanical behavior. That's really what this is. We're basically running interference. You see, we are interfering with the impressions that are coming in so that they can't just come in the way that they did. They can't just come in and, and the hammer just doesn't fall on all the strings and play the same old song. You've interfered with it now. 
You've changed things. And everything starts to be different. And everything, because it's connected with everything else, because this planet, because this earth is an organic whole, because it is all connected, because underneath all of the many different forms of life that we see, there is an essential unity, an essential life force, an essential intelligence that governs all of it with the same principle. You begin to live there. You begin to see life from there. And everything changes. Everything changes. At first, just a little. But then more and more and more. Study how the impressions of what people say and do to you, what they think of you, fall on the first per false personality and the negative part of the emotional center. Study that. Just notice. Somebody called me a stingy so-and-so the other day. And I kind of smiled. That would have bothered me before. And I kind of smiled and I could feel a little twinge of how it would be before. I could feel a little twinge. And so I looked at that. I studied it. And I thought, well, yeah, there are ways that I am absolutely stingy. There's no question about it. They're absolutely stingy. I will use a straw six times. I'll just wash it and use it over again. But I see other people just throw them out. But it's like, I don't go out and buy straws. You know, somebody brings a straw home and it's a good straw for green smoothies. Because it has to be one of those Starbucks, green Starbucks straws, you know, the big, the long ones, that's big, wide. It's got to be one of those, you know. Well, those little silly straws don't work for me. Those little sissy straws, you know. I'm, I'm trying to get a smoothie up through that straw, you know. I mean, we're talking greens and fruit and all this stuff. I'm trying to get all that stuff. Yeah, it's liquid, but still, I'm trying to get all that stuff through a straw without sucking my brains out. You know, I don't want any back pressure, and all of a sudden, I go through the straw the other way, and I end up with a smoothie pass. You know, I'm not looking for that to happen. I'm looking for it the other way. I'm trying to get it in me, not me in it. So, I use a straw, and I just wash it and put it in a drawer, and I use it again. And it's like, well, when that straw gets bent or broken, it's like, oh, man, now you're going to find another straw. This is really this is a big deal in life. You know, I send Connie out to Starbucks. Say, oh, listen, next time you're at Starbucks, bring me a straw, will you? Because I don't go to Starbucks. Not even for the straws. I guess I could get Curtis to smuggle me straws. <laughs> Curtis, you still go to Starbucks, don't you? Yeah. You could struggle me small straws. Smuggle me straws. Yeah, not struggle me smalls. <laughs> not struggle me smalls. <laughs> Smuggle me straws. <laughs> so I looked at that stingy bit and I thought, well, yeah, that's true. You know, there, there are things about me that I'm very frugal. I call it frugal. She called it stingy. You know? And this is what the false personality does. It just justifies everything. We make it, we make it okay. But you know what? I, it's okay to make it okay because it is okay. I've looked at it. I've studied it. I prefer to stay this way. Why? I like it works for me right now. When it stops working for me, then I'll change it. You know, if I am ever out somewhere in a store and I find a big, I find a box of like two dozen really super smoothie straws, long enough and wide, big enough around, I'll buy them. I don't care. I don't care how much they cost. You know, if they're a buck a piece, I'll buy them. And I'll lock them in the safe. <laughs> Because that straw costs a dollar. <laughs> but I'm not stingy. See? So it's like, you just study it. Just look at it. Just look at it. It's okay. You know, it's okay. You don't have to do anything about it. Just look at it. And I look at it every day now. So now I sign my emails to this person, SB, stingy. Yeah, well, you know the word she used, right? Instead of SOB, it was stingy. 
not, you know, what they would call a guy. Yeah. So anyway, I just signed my emails that way now. SB, James, a.k.a. SB. <laughs> so for me, it's now a joke. For me, it's now a point of study. And this is exactly what I'm asking you to do. Study how the impressions of what people say and do to you, what they think of you, fall on your false personality, fall on the negative part of the emotional center. And so I did study that. And I studied it to the point where it no longer became sensitive, where it no longer was something that I reacted to, where my reaction now is a little more controlled. It's a little more humorous. It's a little more light. And eventually it will just go away and I'll stop signing my emails that way. It may take 10 or 20 years, but wow, where am I going? When you try to prevent this, you'll find that you'll have had to observe yourself first, seeing, you have seeing how you have behaved, seeing how you have spoken, how you have acted. So in order for me to see this stingy part, I had to observe myself over time. This question has not come up for me just recently. It has come up for me a number of times in the past, but I had worked on it. So I was under the illusion that I was no longer like that. Because I had changed somewhat, I just made it the full Monty. I said, well, I'm just not like that anymore. Mm -hmm. The truth is, is that when I find these little examples like the straw, I have to giggle. I just have to laugh. And I go, well, there it is. It's still there. It may not be as forceful. It may not be as big as it was. It may not be Goliath now. But it's still the little, the little foxes are still there. And they're still spoiling the grapes. So watch them. Trying to remember yourself to transform impressions without much previous proper self-observation is pure theory. It's intellectual wool gathering. And you can write long emails about it, and you can go on and on about it, and you can write essays about it, but it's still the same thing. If you're not doing it, it's still intellectual wool gathering. The power of proper self-observation is in being able to bring up in yourself what you criticize in another. If you want to know if you are observing yourself properly, then catch yourself criticizing another person and bring that very thing up in yourself and look at it. That is the real power of proper self-observation. This is giving ourselves the first conscious shock and thereby giving ourselves a little time before we react to incoming impressions. And trust me on this, it makes a world of difference. This is transformation. This is the root and the core of transformation. You need to interfere with the incoming impressions Run interference. Let the work run interference for you with these incoming impressions. Remember yourself in connection with these work ideas. Bring up in yourself uh, by observing, by proper self-observation, what it is you're criticizing in another person. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.